Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today's episode is brought to you by the Eating Disorder Therapist Book Club. So we are now going into our second month of the book club and this month we are going to be reading I Can't Stop Eating by Sarah Dosange. Now Sarah is also known as the binge eating therapist on Instagram. You might be aware of her and the book is all about kind of managing overeating, emotional eating, binge eating and how to stop that and really turn it around and improve your relationship with food. So if you want to join the book club, you get an extra podcast episode a week and it will be referring to chapters from the book using some of the exercises and looking at different reflections and insights that we gain. So I really hope you will think about joining. It's just £5 or the equivalent of USA dollars a month. And for that, you get access to those extra episodes and also a supportive Facebook group where you can be supported and encouraged by others. So hope to see you there. So today I want to talk about self-help books. Are they really helpful? And if they are or not, how can we make them more helpful? I'm going to talk about five tips to help you gain value from self-help. Sorry, I feel like I've said the word help about 10 times in 10 seconds there. So maybe you have a problem and you're feeling completely stuck with it. You want to sort it out and you don't want to go to therapy. You know, you may feel like, I want to do this at home. I want to feel empowered. I want to like start this week. I don't want to be waiting for ages. So you might decide, find a self-help book that's going to guide you on your way. So whether it's improving confidence, managing anxiety, finding the right partner, mindful eating, improving your mood, there is a wealth of choice available as new book titles are added to bookshelves week by week. And self-help books that continue to be quite fashionable, they're often prescribed now by the NHS in some areas as an alternative to medication, and they're also recommended often as a first course of action, maybe before you start therapy. And they're clearly seen and valued as a useful tool in helping people tackle problems and bring about change in their lives. And I know the NHS service I work in, we do recommend self-help reading for people at assessment. So they can start to almost kind of prepare for the therapy, start to embed some of the ideas and principles that might be covered in the therapy in advance of the work. But how long lasting are the effects of self-help? You know, and have you read many self-help books yourself to answer that question? Now, I know myself that when you get a new book, there's always that real hope and anticipation that the new book is going to bring about the transformation that it is going to be the one to solve all problems. So you might feel really eager and anticipatory to read and absorb the golden nuggets of information, which are going to be potentially life transforming. So you read the book from cover to cover, and hopefully you're going to feel motivated, inspired, encouraged to go away and address the problem. But I know for myself, I often read the book in the moment I feel completely inspired and my life is having an overhaul, I'm making changes, but then it's a bit of a honeymoon period and that often doesn't really last. And before long, the book is kind of on the bookshelf, hidden within 
many other book titles and it may not be picked up again unless it's a particularly a good one. And then you might feel a bit deflated thinking, well, maybe that was a bit of a waste of money. What do I do next? So I'm going to talk about five tips to gain value from self-help books. So number one is I would say, look at reviews and recommendations from others before you go and launch into buying a book. Because self-help literature it does vary significantly in its quality and its potential for effectiveness. So before you spend your hard-earned cash, you might really want to have a look at book reviews online or trust a friend's personal recommendation when making your choice. Number two as well, be realistic. Be realistic about your expectations of the book. So you might not find that any book is going to give you this overnight transformation that is promised in the pages. Because unfortunately, really, a magic wand doesn't exist for most problems. And for most of us, change is a process which takes time and investment. So you're likely going to have to work at it through baby steps. So the book might not offer you the absolute solution, but it's rather going to be a companion on your journey in achieving this. And I think as well, when I look back to all the self-help books I've read in my life, I think the power of many together and the many steps I've taken through kind of utilizing different skills and strategies and things I have learned actually together as a collective, that has given me so much knowledge, so many skills, so many strategies, so many reflections that it adds up to quite a lot. But often individually reading the book, maybe even reading the book for the first time, it definitely wasn't an overnight transformation. Number three, find books that resonate with you. Now, some books are going to resonate with you so much more than others. So I know on holiday, when I was in America in my early 20s, I stumbled across M. Scott Peck's The Road Less Traveled. And at that time in my life, that book helped me so much to make sense and understand several questions I'd been struggling with. But I then remember raving about the book to my sister and coming to appreciate that actually, you know, when she read it, she just did not get the same benefits from it than I did. Our tastes were just very different. And I know she has often recommended books to me and I have felt a bit underwhelmed as well. So, and it's not that anyone's right or wrong, different things resonate with different people and that's fine. So it's finding the ones that speak to you, that the voices that stand out for you. Number four, revisiting books. So the few self-help books I've truly valued, I revisited again and again. And the process of revisiting and rereading allows helpful strategies to become memory and then internalized, allowing them to gain strength and momentum within me. So it's just so true because often first reading, we're kind of looking, reading it more at a surface level. When we go back and read again and again, we're picking up all the little nuance and details and kind of absorbing it to a much greater depth each time. And I think Obviously, that can only work with the books that really resonate with you as well. Because of, if you've had a bad self-help book, the last thing you're going to want to do is reread it. But the ones that really are empowering and lift you up and help you and support you, do whatever that you are hoping to get from the book, those are obviously the ones that are worth rereading. And number five, taking responsibility. So although having limitations, self-help literature can empower you to take responsibility and to effectively become your own therapist. 
And I really believe this is to be encouraged because it can help increase confidence, autonomy, and independence in your coping skills and problem solving. And these being such valuable skills on life's journey. Now, of course, things like therapy and coaching can be incredibly helpful and valuable. But if you feel that you have um, tools to access through books that can empower you and encourage you and lift you up, it gives you another channel and sometimes something as well that's more affordable. And also, if you're not having to like go on big waiting lists for help and support. But of course, you know, sometimes you need that extra help and support. So I think sometimes it's a delicate balancing act to think what it is that you need and to appreciate where you are at the time. But sometimes a book can be a valuable stepping stone in the direction of therapy and is some a step that can be so, so useful. So and I think, again, with the taking responsibility, it's very much about doing the exercises in the books as well and not just kind of reading it and thinking, yeah, this is all very well and very interesting, but they're not sort of doing the action stuff. And I know I've been guilty of this. There's so many books I've read and I kind of read through the exercises, but I don't actually do them. So then I'm missing out on the kind of benefits that I can really get and to kind of go deeper. So if you really want to get the most out of a book, do the exercises too. take full responsibility. Now, what about some self-help books that I found particularly helpful over the years? So with my own bulimia recovery, I didn't really read this book until after I'd recovered, but it was still very helpful because it helped me kind of understand things a lot better. And that is Getting Better Bite by Bite by Eureka Schmidt and Janet Treasure. And this is a kind of cognitive behavior therapy based manual for bulimia and binge eating. And it really takes you step by step through in terms of helping you manage regular eating, binge eating behaviors, purging behaviors. And it looks at, lots of, looks at lots of other themes as well, like perfectionism, um, assertiveness skills, body image, low self-esteem. It's really a very comprehensive manual. And it also kind of works on motivation and looking at the deeper roots of your problem too. So that's one I would highly recommend. Another book I've really enjoyed over the years is Breaking Free from Emotional Eating by Janine Roth. So Janine Roth talks about her history of being embedded in diet culture, going on numerous diets, and how she starts to practice intuitive eating and to develop a healthier relationship with food. There's lots of personal sharing in here, which is really, really valuable, and lots of things to really think about and help you take tangible steps to improve your relationship with food. Just Eat It by Laura Thomas is a book I love if you are keen on learning intuitive eating. This is such a well-researched, comprehensive book, which really includes everything you need to know about learning to become an intuitive eater in so much depth. would really, really recommend that. And another book I really like from years ago is a book called Feel Fear and Do It Anyway by Susan Jeffers. This really helps you tackle your fears, step out of your comfort zone. Basically, it does what it says on the cover. Feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think so much underneath an eating problem, there are lots of fears and anxieties that can be a really helpful tool in helping you address your fears, not just with eating, but life in general. Now, some newer books that have come out more recently, which I also would really recommend. Amy Harmon's Perfectly Imperfect. 
compassionate strategies to create a positive body image. We've just been reading this in the book club recently, and it's been an excellent book, really comprehensive book as well to take you through the steps to improve your body image in such a compassionate way. I'd really recommend it. Nice short chapters, easy to read, lots of great tips, highly recommend. Also, Emmy Brunner's Finding Your True Voice. This is a wonderful book if you have experienced any trauma, if you are struggling with your mental health. It's not just eating disorders. It covers sort of all mental health issues, but really kind of going to the deeper roots of the problem, but also including lots of tools and strategies to help with change. So it's a wonderful balance of a kind of deeper, more counseling-based book combined with coaching and giving you proactive skills. And another book is Sarah Dosanges. I can never say her name right. I Can't Stop Eating. And this is a book about how to address binge eating behavior and how to stop it. Sarah is the binge eating therapist on Instagram and is hugely experienced with her own recovery from binge eating disorder and with working with many others to do the same. And this book we are also going to be covering in the book club this month. So Sarah, I'll probably mention the book club quite a few times, um, including the intro. So apologies for that, but hopefully you're getting the message and you would like to join. So hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's a bit more short and sweet this week, but lots more guests coming over the next few weeks. So there'll be many more interviews for you to tune into. Now, if you read a fabulous self-help book recently and you want to recommend it, do let me know because I'm always keen to expand my knowledge of kind of the books that are available so I can recommend them to my clients and share on social media. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to recommend any of your own self-help books that you have found recently, please do mention it in the show notes. I would love to hear your views. So if you're not following me already, do see me on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist. And for further support with your relationship with food, do visit the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. And if you'd like to join the book club, the link to that is in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.